Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Sticks Golf Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom Crow. This week, myself and my two co-hosts, Parker C. and Trey Wren, are sitting down with Curtis Thompson. If you don't know Curtis, I'm sure you will soon, as he's eyeing his first PGA Tour card and that elusive top 25 on the Corn Ferry money list. Before we get started, I am happy to announce that today's podcast is presented by Swing U. GPS, scorecards, stats, and instruction. Join more than 5 million golfers who use and trust Swing U. Easy to use, reliable and free, get accurate distances to greens and hazards, store your rounds and scorecards, and receive a handicap for life. Upgrade to get wind and elevation, plays like distances, shot tracking, club recommendations, strokes gain stats, and personalized lessons and drills. Download Swing U and start owning your game today. Now let's get to the pod. All right, Kurt, let's start at the beginning. Obviously, uh, golf runs in the family with you, your sister, and your brother playing professional golf. And somewhat of an interesting start being homeschooled in, uh, in high school. And was that purely a golf decision, or was that like something that you and your parents talked about? Yeah, it was, more, it was mostly a golf decision. Just give us the most amount of time because, you know, when you go to middle school and high school, you know, especially middle school, you don't get out till you know, you're there early in the morning, you don't get out till four o'clock or whatever. And then you've got however many, only an hour and a half when uh, the sun goes down early and then four hours when, uh, when it stays up, you know, stays up late and all that, but then you got homework and stuff like that. So you just have no time on a regular basis. And, you know, with, with homeschooling, if you do it through the Florida virtual, which is what my sister and I did shows you just how much time they kind of waste in, in, in high school and middle school, because you do it at your own pace and at your own learning pace and you can finish stuff. And, you know, if you sit down and just really commit to it, you can do school for the entire week for one, one, one day and just be knock it out. I wish more schools would do that. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that that definitely like kind of separated you and like allowed you to separate yourself from like other junior golfers that didn't have that time? I would say more so than, than anything. It helped me as a, I guess as a time management person. So, you know, I, I learned, you know, because you're really at your own, uh, your own discretion on how fast you, how fast or slow you want to do the entire week worth weeks worth of school. So that's what it taught me more than anything. And then, yeah, I mean, if you plan correctly, you have, I mean, you have eight hours a day to play, play golf or do whatever you want. I mean, you can do it however you want. If you want to do one full day or Lexi and I usually would do like, you know, two to three hours of school a day. And then, you know, by the end of the week, we'd be done. Were you guys doing like the same exact schedule and practicing at the same time? Or were you guys sort of mixing it up? Yeah, we would wake up early somewhere between six and seven, knock it out by, you know, nine or so, go practice till lunchtime. If we had anything or we would just eat lunch, whatever, go back. And then we would finish up whatever we wanted to finish uh, that night. Yeah. So you guys have been really on this like sort of pro golf type schedule since you were kids. Like right. that's, that's probably where the work ethic kind of got started and having all the time or like early in your life this is probably why you spend so much time on it now. 
I mean, that's, that's how you got to where you are. Talking about junior career and stuff. So 2009, AJGA Rolex honorable mention with Tom Lovelady, Wyndham Clark, Richie Rensky. And then first team that year was Patrick Cantlay, uh, Jordan Spieth, Emiliano Grillo. Growing up and playing against those guys, even at like such a young like level and seeing them like have so much success, is that like a driver for you to like think about like, yeah, I beat these kids even back then? I mean, you know, everybody's on their own pace. Um, you know, some people, you don't, you, you will play college golf and then never play again. Or some, some really excel quickly. And, uh, you know, in the 2011 class, which most of those guys were out of that class that you'd name there, uh, there was never a lack of, of competition. So, you know, everybody's at their own pace. You know, I believe, you know, all, all these guys are very close in talent. Uh, so I think it's just the right time and the right breaks at the right time to get you to that next level. Gotcha. Yeah, sure. And how about some of these guys, you know, your friends with junior golf days that have maybe had their process go a little faster. Who's helped you the most? Like what friends that sort of reached out, you know, like I remember you talking about how JT sent you a text, before, you know, this time last year or this event last year, right before you won, who out of those guys has been like sort of your biggest friend in the whole, this whole process. Yeah, uh, I would say Richie Orensky has probably been my one of my biggest you know friends. I've played golf with him forever. We've lived close for a long time now, and yeah. uh, you know him and I could bounce stuff off each other, and we're completely different people, which is probably which is good. But uh, you know, Justin, Justin, like if I reach out to Justin, he has no problem sending me a elaborate message on whatever question I have for him. But I would definitely say Richie will reach out or or you know give advice in any any way, shape, or form. So obviously you went to LSU and I was just wondering like what brought you to Baton Rouge and like, were there any other schools that you were looking at? Was it like a tight, tight race or was it always LSU? Yeah. So, I mean, just being homeschooled, like we spoke about, I, I wanted to get out of Florida. So my schools that it really kind of came down to were uh, Texas A&M, LSU and Florida. Uh, A&M, that's just, they're, that's a good school. Uh, it's just different out there. Uh, not really my, my speed. And then it came down to LSU in Florida. And it turned out that I made the right decision to go to LSU over Florida because the reason why I went to Florida or didn't want to go to or wanted to go to Florida was because Buddy Alexander was there. Um, and Buddy Alexander ended up leaving what would have been my sophomore year. And uh, so that ended up being a very a good decision. But that, that was the tight race in between Florida and LSU. Really, the deciding factor was kind of wanted to just get out of Florida and just be done with being close to everybody and go start something on my own. And, uh, went to LSU early, did some credits without playing, uh, before my, what would have been my freshman year and, and, uh, just got acclimated with the whole situation. LSU's it's great. There's nothing to complain about out there. Yeah. It probably didn't hurt that you got to play with guys like John Peterson, Stuart Jolly, Smiley Kaufman, Ben Taylor, all those boys that obviously like took it to the next level and are trying still to take it to the next level. Yeah, a lot of competition. It was, it's cool to see in college, you know, uh, everybody's a different player. You know, uh, they play with Andrew Loop as well. Uh, he hit the ball super far. And then you had John Peterson who hit the ball super straight. And then it, it kind of gained distance through his, through his career. And, but you, you, you just got to see like different parts of the game. Like Stuart Jolly had, had a good wedge game. And then you had Smiley Kaufman who had a, had a good short game. So, you know, you kind of, you can kind of see where you're supposed to get better in the different aspects of the game based off the different players. Gotcha. For sure. And then sort of just like personality wise, obviously that you got some big personalities on that team. 
I just was curious, like who was there, like, regardless of seniority, was there like one guy who was just like sort of running the show or you all got kind of just on the same page? Like who was, who was like the leader in that locker room basically? Um, I, I never played with John Peterson uh, and Andrew Loop. That, that would have been. Was that when you were there early? That was when yeah. I was there early. But I would imagine on that team that uh, John Peterson was kind of your 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 main your main horse there. Your That's alpha, just yeah. Yeah, from no, senior never, year too. Yeah, I was never on the bus to any tournaments, but that's kind of how I how I felt was. Um, and then when after they were gone, uh, you know, Smiley was there before me, so he was he was a pretty good, uh, pretty much the horse there. I would say for for most of the guys. So and yeah, you played there three years, right? When you left, and I guess that team ended up uh, winning the national championship. Uh, did you do you wish you would have stayed, or did you? I mean, do you spent that year out on the corn ferry? You think that was probably more valuable for your development? Yeah, I would definitely say that what uh, what I did was more valuable for my development. But uh, you know, you always wish you had a national championship. The only thing, yeah. you know, the thing that I, I tell myself is is, and it, I mean, obviously, it might be a little damage control for me just telling myself that I'm trying not to miss it is it's, it wasn't an individual championship. It was like when you're in that NCAA champion, you get a bunch yeah. of starts and all this and that, but you know, the team championship, it's just, you were on the team, cha- you know, yeah. Or just so, something cool to just kind of have in your back right. pocket. Yeah. You get a NCAA ring. Do you get a uh, ring? <laughs> yeah. It was a bummer missing it. Uh, you know, I wish I could have been there, but you know, I was doing my own thing and I think my decision ended up being the right one in the long run. Yeah. Um, For sure. So if you could, boil it down to like one thing that you learned at LSU that like really allowed you and like pushed you to like get to the next level. Like, what do you think that was? Um, you know, it, it took me a long time because I'm pretty hard headed when it comes to it, but you know, they're just damage control, you know, cause you show up on days, you know, it, and you know, it's, it, it should happen about once a week, actually in most tournaments, like, you know, when you're, uh, even you could win a golf tournament in one of the four days you show up with not nothing, but you show up with just not a full game. So in college, I believe that tells you how to, how to manage that day where you're not playing well and to make sure you bring it in under 73 or four, you know, you're shooting right around par. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I would, that, that would be my biggest thing, you know, finding a way to get your golf ball in the hole as little as shots as possible, even on the bad days. Gotcha. All right, this one's a little touchy, but um, we're going to need your best tailgating or adventure story that you can say on air um, from your time at LSU. Uh, I would say, well, it would have to be my longest tailgate for sure. Um, So So longest tailgate? uh, Yeah. I went out (laughs) to bogeys and was walking home through the quad, and these guys were already – getting ready for the game at like 2 a.m. on the Saturday on Saturday morning. So I hit the, I didn't even know these guys. What you know? game was it? Oh man. I, I want to say I want to it was an SEC game. I want to say it was Bama or Florida. And and <clears throat> I didn't even know these guys and they came over I was like oh come over and have a beer or something like that. Whatever. So I sat there, sat there for hours. The sun came up and then I hit the tailgate that we were going to go do. Wow. So and so just ran right into another tailgate and then went to the a, game. A zero sleep tailgate. I that's, that's brutal. Did you make it to the game? Oh yeah, you always, I've never missed a game. That hats off to you. That's hats off. That's, in the SEC, SEC though, like 
you go to the games. I didn't really like at Temple. We didn't, we would just tailgate and then just go home. Like we wouldn't even go. And like, <laughs> we would just tailgate and then go watch it somewhere. But yeah, no, SEC definitely go to all the games. That's the yeah, greatest part. You pass out at the game, but you got to be there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's uh, transition a little bit into your professional career. Obviously you got your corn fairy card pretty much immediately out of college. Um, can you tell us a little bit of your first couple of years out there, who you were traveling with, who you're hanging out, looking back, like, what did you learn in those first uh, couple of seasons? I would, uh, I tell this to everybody now, just because I've been through, I've been through a lot with the game, uh, came out, <clears throat> obviously, like you said, very came out quick. Um, you know, maybe, maybe almost a little too quick. If some would, some would maybe argue, uh, came out, played well early, um, you know, I was inside the 25 for a little bit. And then that first year, I remember I missed like 10 straight cuts. So I went to, from like 17 on the money list to like, I don't know. I think I dropped that outside the top 75 for sure. Probably like 85, 90 ended up having to make like 30 grand, 40 grand, which on this tour is playing pretty good in like three events and finished like, like 56th, 14th, fourth. And then I had a chance to win in Oregon. Like that was the only so I was asked after those three events, I was locked into the PGA tour or into the corn ferry and then had to win Oregon to get to the PGA tour. And I had the 36 hole lead and ended up getting like third or fourth behind Dickie Pride and and uh Lumpy that year. So, you know, I I would say now and then 16 and 17 were like okay years, and then the 18, 19, and uh that's kind of where stuff went the wrong way. But spent a lot of time with you know, Greg Eason and Jimmy Gunn in those first few years. And, you know, I had a kind of like had a mentality that nobody, nobody can beat me kind of thing. And then that mentality is not right. You know, you need that mentality, but I lost a lot of golf shots and I see it now with irons and just game plan on how aggressive I played because I kind of thought you can, I kind of had this mindset that I was invincible. And now I obviously know that I'm not. So I play a lot different golf now. So my game, I would say that I'm not as good of a ball striker as I was then, but my game plan and the way that I play the game makes me much better, um, making me just a better player in, in general. Wow. That's interesting. Um, so you kind of briefly said something about 2018, 2019. So obviously you made a decision to step away from the game and I wanted to, to, ask you like what were those thoughts and conversations that you had that led to that decision and then ultimately what were the thoughts and conversations that led you to come back to it yeah well i mean i played let me think so 15 16 and 17 i had full status and then 18 i had conditional yeah 18 i had conditional played 13 events didn't make jack for money and went to first stage in 18 first stage shot 14 under and missed uh which was wild and and then i and then i tried in 19 i did like 10 um monday qualifiers just kind of when i was starting to work out of the funk um and and i did like 10 qualifiers my average was like 68 69 area and didn't play it down um you know 68 but that was consistently what i was shooting i was never shooting like 64 so i was just shooting 68 69 and then going home uh, so, I mean, the conversations were, were tough because they were with myself, but I was really didn't have an option because I just wasn't playing well enough at that point. It was like, you're not going to sit there 
I mean, if you're realistic with yourself and you can sit down and I mean, I've, I've never had like a sponsor for like an individual to give me whatever amount of money people do. I don't know, 25, 50 grand a year, whatever it is. So, you know, at some point it's your money and you can't just sit there and be like, all right, yeah, I'm actually playing decent golf. Let me go spend it on this stuff. It's just, I'm like, this is my money and I'm not going to sit here and waste it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I hung it up for the rest of like the last 15 events or whatever on the corn ferry schedule. I just said, I'm just out for now. And then, you know, coming towards the end of the year, I was still playing a little bit and, um, just had, I just had a bunch of people out at, uh, at a pine tree, just say, yo, let's, let's get you back into this. Let's start getting your practice and see if you can maybe strap back up and get into this. And then went to Martin hall and, you know, and, and this was going to be my last go at it. Like I wasn't trying again. And I was like, do you have enough? You've taken enough punches Just stay on the mat and be done. <laughs> Coming into this Q school end of 2019, that was your last, last get like last go. Yeah, because I would have had no status. I would have sat. You weren't going to go back to like you weren't going to think about playing Latin or anything because it's, it's got to be so hard to go backwards after you've spent like all that time on the corn ferry. Yeah, it's not. It's not that I wouldn't have gone down there and played Latin, but I just feel like you're. This kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like you're, you're not making any money. You know, I've got. You know, I'm married and trying to have kids at some point, and I'm like, I'm not going to sit down there and then play. 69 average or 70 average and get my ass kicked in like that's terrible yeah so i was you know and it you know i i would have gone down there if like if i if i knew you can make money down there but everybody i talked to you just lose money yeah so um yeah so 19 was going to be my last go at it because 20 i would have had no status i would have found something but i don't know what i would have found but i would have found something to go into that and uh and then martin hall got me all turned around and uh and luckily yep. didn't have to go down that road because you had an unbelievable Q school run. I'm going to run through some stats. We looked at. So you played 12 rounds of Q school, had to go all the way back to first stage. You finished tied second at first stage. You won second stage, won finals, You're 51 under par for 12 rounds and no double bogeys, 15 bogeys. That's just unbelievably consistent golf. So just what did you guys work on? Like, what were you doing? To, obviously you're putting well and hitting it good, but like, besides that, like how were you able to just go out and just, for and it's they're spaced out so it's not like they're just 12 rounds in a row a couple months in a row of just of just absolutely just striping it and and putting up some good scores um well like like i was saying earlier when you play as bad as i was playing there in 17 and 18 um when you play when you play that poorly you kind of learn damage control you learn like all right well i can't take this line because if i make one of those whiffy swings i'm like in a bunker or in the water whatever so you, you make your, you make your area bigger where you can miss. So that's how I played. And that's how I made so few bogeys. My lag putting was very good for those few months. Uh, I've found something. I, I still like the ball incredibly, incredibly well, which is, you know, I'm just missing a few shots here and there. That's why I'm making more bogeys now. But so basically when my dad, my dad caddied for me, I said, we're just going to play golf to the best of our ability here. And we're going to make, we're going to try to make 13, 14 parts. We're going to birdie the par fives. And if we snag a birdie somewhere else, perfect. I think, what is it? And you, you did almost that, honestly. I was just looking yeah. at some scorecards. That's, that's pretty much what you did. <laughs> obviously, you had a couple low ones, but like it's for most of the rounds, we're just like three, four under, no bogeys or one bogey. And just that's how you got to, you, you shot 15 under, 15 under, 21 under. That's, that's kind of how you get there, not with the one round of eight or nine under and then, you know, a couple one and two unders. Yeah. And that's, and when I played in 15, that's how I would get there. I would shoot like a 61. I think there was like five straight weeks where I shot something sub 64 and now I don't do that as much, 
but I also don't shoot the high one as much unless the putting gives out. Like last Friday, the putting just I, it just went on a sabbatical. I'm not sure where it went. <laughs> but, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully it stayed wherever it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all right, it's time to come back now. We gotta, we gotta yeah. go play some golf. That's great. Do you feel like you're a better player, like when in that kind of scenario where your back's against the wall and you know, like you you got to get it done and Q school such types things. I I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's really the difference in between, you know, PGA tour players, you know, there's a few levels, you know, you have corn Ferry players, PGA tour players, and then the players that play mini tours or, or don't make it at all down, you know, down the line. I think the ones that know and are able to realize the situation and just say, all right, there's only one way out here. You're either, you're either going to, you're either going out of the game or you've got to, you've got to put your head down and blow through it. And, uh, I think that's the difference. Um, corn fairy guys do it well, obviously to get to the corn fairy and the guys from the corn fairy do it well to get to the PJ tour. You know, they find a way to harness their nerves and make it, you know, and make it known that this is how life is. We're going to go through this. And some guys just, you know, can't handle it or don't do it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a grinder. I, I like, um, like this week where th- this is great. Like the next two days, it's going to be like 50 blowing 25 and like some rain that as far as I know is the best news of all, because there's not <laughs> eight tomorrow. and I, and, and I mean, there's got, there's guys out there that are the same as me that can put their head down and be like, all right, you're either going to sit out here and bitch about it. Or you're gonna we're gonna go forward and we're just gonna put our head down and try to you know shoot 70, 71, 72, 73, and we're gonna try to make it through these two days. Uh, and that's I, when I hear stuff like that, it's the best, uh, just because that's that's what you learn in college because you play events that the weather stinks. Yeah, that's another thing Absolutely. you learn in college. And my coach Chuck Winstead, oh my God, he would let us have it if you heard us bitching about it. He just said, I don't want to hear about it. He goes, we're playing in it, so do it you know kind of just you got to get going you can't you can't sit here and complain about it because then you're beat already by the rest of the field for sure i feel like there's actually a real difference because like every, everybody says that when they're like all right like you know i'm not gonna let these conditions bother me but then there's like it's just a select few that it actually doesn't bother and some people actually play almost better when the weather is bad and like because i always say that and i'll get out there on like 13 i'm just like this is i, I hate this and i just <laughs> I, lose it. I hit like three bad shots or get a bad break and i'm like this is just this is nonsense but yeah no it's it, having that attitude and then actually going out there and being able to like really execute in bad weather is definitely a definitely an asset to have for sure so uh to kind of complete a little bit of like your comeback or your comeback story last september you won for the first time on the corn ferry tour uh, at chicago highlands club which is actually the same event that's happening this week but uh you finished one clear of wills alatoris and jimmy stanger i just wanted to know kind of what your emotions were like that week and like what did you learn about yourself and uh are you you know is that just kind of like an extra carrot on this week being the defending you know champ yeah, you know, I mean, I've thought about it, but it's, you know, I'm defending champ at a different golf course. So, yeah. you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not one to make any excuses. Um, I'm just going to go out here and play. Uh, you know, last year it didn't happen very often. Uh, if you look at how I believe, if you look at how it happened, um, the the key for my success is when I get away from that cut line, I get my mind off the cut line. You know, I put myself in or around the cut line a lot after the first round. And I believe last year, 
I think I shot like two or three under the first day. Good round, you know, whatever. And then I was like, okay, well, we got to shoot like even, make sure we don't shoot over par to make the cut kind of thing. Like make sure you're going forward. And then I got on like some streak out there. I think I shot 65 on Friday, you know, and once I got away from that cut line, it freed up what I can do. And I think that's the that's the key to success for, for, uh, for my game. You know, I played decent in Savannah, same thing. I shot like four under six under something, four or six under the first day. And then I was like two under through nine was away from the cut line and had a good week got like 15th place so you know that's what um that's what i'm not gonna try to do it i'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it um <laughs> but this week you know with with the way the weather is you're if you go out there and you make you know 30 pars four birdies and two bogeys you're gonna be looking real nice going into the weekend because this yeah. it be miserable how's that course <laughs> sure. the new one it's not as hard as it could be. The rough is not up. Uh, the greens are rolling at a decent pace, uh, but it's in good shape. Uh, I've heard this place can play super firm. It's not super firm. I mean, it's not like real, real soft, but it's not uh, It's not playing as hard as it has. It can be. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a, it's just going to be a week of who can grind it out the best. The weekend's going to be perfect. It's going to be a little windy, but uh, if you could just make it to the weekend with a decent, decent score get yourself in 15th you're gonna be in a position to win this golf tournament sweet and so i saw that uh that jake's back on the bag for this week is that uh is that purely just as defending defending team or is that like uh is he is he back this week and next week he's he's doing for sure uh nice. and then i think out after after that but uh you know uh familiar face julie came out a couple weeks ago but i need a familiar face uh we had some, some success. Maybe I'll take some notes on maybe what we do uh, if we have a decent week or a couple of decent weeks, and I'll just be like, all right, well, this is what needs to be done. Because, um, you know, a lot of guys just don't don't really speak up a whole bunch as far as shot planning go, and Jake and I just we, – we, we definitely talk a bunch. Um, he hasn't really started – I mean, he has started his music career in Nashville. He's just recently moved to Nashville, but, you know, he hasn't really – you know, started up any gigs or anything yet. So I was like, you know, if you don't, I know you're trying to start your own deal. If you don't want to come out, I get it. You know, you're trying to start something on your own. Um, but if you can come out for one week, two weeks, the whole year, whatever, just, you know, let me know. Um, we'll go. So he, he decided he initially said Wichita, but he's got a, he's got a baby on the way. So they got to get back for the 20th, uh, the 20 week uh, checkup uh, ultrasound thing. Gotcha. I, I did get some good news today. Let's hear, Ooh, let's hear it. I got into the uh, Rocket Mortgage here in five weeks. Let's go. Come on, yeah. baby. Let's Come go. on. That's awesome. Got that today, so that'll be fun. So hopefully, hopefully I can play well in these next couple of weeks so I can go home for a week and uh, juice up yeah. for that. That's Hell sweet. yeah. I All right, we might be that. breaking a little bit of news on this podcast today. Hell yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, so unfortunately – since the win, you've fallen outside the top 25, especially with this kind of double long season or whatever. So what do you think, like in your mind, like what do you need to do to get back inside the 25 and like secure that PGA Tour card? You know, I've never, other than that run in 2015, I've never strung together a whole bunch of events uh, where I go, you know, 10th, 7th, 5th, 15th, whatever, you know, kind of like Grayson Sig has done all year. Or, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at... Uh, you know rocking out top tens because i think for about 10th place i think you get about 75 points mm -hmm. so you know if i could rattle off three or four of those that'll that'll probably put me 
pretty close to what I need to be doing. Um, you know, obviously just trying to win. That's it. I'm, uh, yeah. not out here for anything else. Uh, I'm playing very, very well, uh, hitting the ball well, putting the ball well, uh, well putting is needs to come back, but yeah, hitting it, hitting it, hitting it, playing good golf. Just, it'll happen for me. It's just wait. I'm waiting for it. Gotcha. All right. Well, I, I'm, I think I'm going to start asking these questions to everybody that comes on the pod, but uh, I want to hear best shot you've ever hit in competition and worst shot you've ever hit in competition. And it can be like oh, big man. moment, big moment, terrible shot or like something. Yeah, like it can that. be like whatever in like your mind. <laughs> or 70 like, second hole birdie. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that was, that, I mean, on, with the circumstances, the two iron I hit here in Chicago last year was pretty unbelievable. Um, just, just under the circumstances, what needed to be done, where the walk us through it. Let's like, what, what was the number? Give us where was the pin? Like, a seventy second hole of you tied, you tied for the lead, staying in the fairway. Yes, yeah, I remember yeah, you I was, said you made, you made a comment as I was editing this last episode. You're like, uh, <laughs> you said, ask the last guy who was hoping I didn't make birdie in the last hole. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. um, yeah, so I'm sitting, uh, you know, I'm playing like the last two holes. They're both the guys, anybody that can catch, anybody that's still on the golf course is already done. Or sorry, sorry, sorry. Anybody who can win the golf tournament is already done. Like the two guys I played with were like two or four behind me. Uh, Stanger and Zouts Horace were already at 17. And everybody else, everybody was done. So I get up on 17, hit a great shot that went to the back fringe, whatever, hit a great putt, then go in. So I stand up on 18. It's like five. I want, it was a long par five. But it was super wide. It shared a fairway with number one. So it was, I mean, the fairway is probably 170 yards wide. That's nice. Oh, it was great. <laughs> Sweet. My favorite. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I get up on that tee box and there's a bunker. There's, there's hazard left. So basically the only thing you can't do is rope a hook. So there's a bunker out there. that's like 310 to fly. So I just tee one up you know, play it way up in the stance and just say, oh, we're just going to rip one way over this bunker in between number one and 18. We're going to take whatever it gives me in. And a very average drive ended up over the bunker, right? Kind of where we were saying, but was not the drive I was kind of hoping for. I was kind of hoping for some sort of a bigger draw so I can get lower iron in. Uh, get up there. I had like, I want to say I had like 280 or so, 270 hole and probably like 250 front, 255 front, little downwind, not a whole bunch of wind. Um, kind of, that's kind of, that's past the end of my two iron. Like my two iron probably goes like 240 fly, but you know, I'm all amped up and whatever the green pins back left. The green kind of pies off. It's got two sections in the back, a little section in the front, and it kind of fingers from the, from the middle of the green, as far as slope goes, ball lands in the front and a nice high draw tomorrow landed in the front of the green, um, front of the green kind of missed missed the left slope and went to the back right. So I was left with like a straight, like an up and over kind of 50 footer or so. Was, and the greens were rolling lightning, even with how much rain they got. And I mean, for a 50 footer, I probably had to hit it like 25 feet and it went all 50. So Jake was all, Jake was all nervous. He, uh, he even told me when I hit it, he said, when I hit, when you hit it, I thought you hit it. Uh, the putt, he goes, I thought you hit it like halfway to the hole. I said, Oh, well, we're going to a playoff because this is not getting there. And it went down there about four or five inches and tapped it in for the first victory. So I would have to say oh, that yeah. the two, That's yeah, sick. the two iron was that's sick. Uh, 
as far as worst shots go, man, I had to play in 2017 and 18. So that there's a loaded <laughs> amount of good shots. I hit a ball. I, I I mean, one that rings a bell in that uh, in that category. Uh, I would I hit a driver that went with no wind, went about 170 yards and about 90 yards right uh, out of bounds. Where'd you I, hit I it on the face? I tell people about it on this tour, and they like about like where the tour or where the the house is that I hit, and they go, <laughs> "I didn't even know there was out of bounds on that hole." Yeah, I go, oh, yeah. the best. Oh, where was that? You, where where was that? Springfield, Missouri. No, oh. one, one, two, three comes back. Four, five, five. Where did you hit that on the face? <laughs> it was I like know a, that. I know that golf course. <laughs> That's up a slice. Oh, a pop-up like, slice. Did you dummy mark your driver? Dude, at that point, the driver probably didn't even end up in one piece by the end of the day. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. Well, Kurt, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure, and uh, good luck the rest of the season and this week. Yeah, we're going to yeah. be watching. Yep, thank you. Yeah, yep, appreciate it, man. Mm-hmm.